It's your girl, Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to... Just Ghouly Things. Ooh. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Ghouly Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 33. <laughs> and we are your bootyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. So, Lily, you're going to laugh because I am a spaz. And so we had yesterday's episode was with James Allen Ross, which was, I thought, a phenomenal episode. Mm-hmm. I thought it couldn't have run any smoother. And then we got a DM from somebody and was like, so that was episode 32. Like, are you going to have an episode 31? And I was like, oh, my God, I saw that. And I was like, of course. Like, I was like, I published it. I must have at some point when I was uploading episode 32, like, reverted the track back for episode 31. So it wasn't there anymore. So I had to, like, re-upload it. So now if you see, it's not in chronological, like, if you see on Apple Podcasts, it's Episode 31, episode 32, episode 30. (laughs) (laughs) And if that doesn't describe how quarantine is going, then I don't know what does. (laughs) It is a shit show. But um, we're here, and we're ready to read some more spooky stories. Right, Lil? Oh, so ready. All right. Start off, Uh, sweet thing. All right. This one is called A Real-Life Succubus Occurring Right Now. Ooh. All right, y'all, so I've got some stories of my own, but none, but none anything like this. This is actually ongoing, and I, ne- and I know it may seem outlandish or even downright made up to some, but we have been to doctors, psychiatrists, and also psychics for help. Everything points to an evil attachment slash potential possession, but I'd love to know what y'all think. So my boyfriend's second cousin has been astral traveling since he was very young. And astral traveling, I looked this up, is just the same as astral projection. Mm-hmm. It was like the out-of-body experiences and everything. He's always had some pretty terrifying nightmares and has scars from waking up with scratches and stuff. I don't even want to go into these experiences as they're a whole different thread on their own. I will say that there has always been an evil man chasing and trying to get him. About a year ago, a woman started showing up in these appearance in these experiences. He says he, he says she is absolutely beautiful and has described everything about her and even drawn her. He said she has saved him. She gets sexual with him, and it says, and he says it's very real. She has made him faster and stronger in this world, and he really feels like he needs her. She had, uh, she had been trying to become one with him, and a month ago turned into a mist, uh, went through him, and he hasn't seen her since, though he can hear and feel her. He has changed. He is completely unrested. He doesn't even like going to sleep for fear of where he'll go. He's extremely snappy and moody, sometimes just downright mean. He's not the laid-back, sweet person he once was. I'm curious if y'all ever experienced anything like this or if you may have some advice as to what can be done. This quarantine is making things a bit hard for now. And that's the end. Wow. That is a bizarre tale. Right? Turning, I mean, I I know that um, usually when we hear of, you know, like groups of mists you can see or feel, it rarely starts out as an actual person. Yeah, and and there's like some sexual nature from what it seems like from what you read, which is yeah. astounding to me. I mean, like we've like we've made jokes about it on the show, like in season one, about you know yeah. having sex with ghosts. And it's just such a, a weird concept. It's like mm-hmm. like that the fact that the spirit is giving you these like uh, the sensation of you know like arousal, and it, it's just such a weird concept. It really is. But I guess quarantine, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess even ghosts are starting to look good, too, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. The um, amount of power someone has to have. Yeah. 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 It's unreal. Okay. My next story is titled, A Tale I've Never Shared with Anyone Before. Okay. There was a park in the town I lived, not like a playground, but essentially a forest right by the river with a giant field in the middle of it with tall grass everywhere. Well, me and some friends decided on Halloween to troll around there and see what kind of mischief we can get up to. Now, it was a pretty normal, boring place, but for some reason, the moment we hit the boundary of that park, we noticed a fog that seemed to get thicker. Now, we get to walking through, and for the first time ever in all the years we lived there, we noticed that it was just dead quiet. No sounds of parties or anything on the other side of the river, no wind, no animals, and it was cold way too cold for where we lived. So we break the tree line and get to the field, and being that it's this swampland during hurricane season, we were not surprised to find a good amount of water in the field. What did surprise us was that in the middle of this water, there was a small hill just above the water level with a tree on it and just enough dry land to form a path through this water. It's a bit hard to believe, but when we checked it out, this tree was bone dry, and so was all the grass and dirt on that hill. The very air seemed to have this miasma of just awfulness. Not quite dread, but it was this oppressive, heavy feeling. It made you feel dizzy and made your head hurt. Well, we are checking out this tree, and we found a little box made of tin stuck in the hollow of the tree. The box wasn't empty. It had a pack of cigarettes and a small necklace. We had to put it back, obviously. Everything about this situation... To kill a mockingbird... (laughs) ...shit in trees. Right? So we had to put it back, obviously. Everything about the situation just felt weird. But as we were leaving, I could swear I saw a reflection in the water. As we were still standing in our group, it seemed like there was an extra person in the reflection looking back at me. Mm -hmm. I turned around to double-check the head count, but everything seemed normal then. I later went back, and that entire little circle with the tree in it wasn't there. In fact, there was more tall grass there as if this place had never existed to begin with. But in the few instances that I've been there late at night walking through that park, I'll get these headaches or my dog will start shaking and I get this sense of dread around any still water in that area. It just feels like you would fall right in if you stepped in it. I know I'm not doing that story justice, but it's really hard to talk about. I've omitted some details because there are still a few things about that night that turn my stomach. I don't know. Does anyone have mu- uh, know much about mythology or legend enough to explain why that place felt so wrong? And that is my story. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. That's like almost like another dimension or like a Twilight Zone kind of episode. Situation. Right? And it seemed like this, like, th- this thing of showing like the necklace and the cigarettes and this little tin can mm-hmm. was a message just for those group of people. Just for them. Yeah. It's like maybe like if they actually looked in the area, is there like a body there or something or So I have to say one of my most irrational fears besides like being held hostage is finding a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking like James Bond hostage when I'm like in a folding chair and I have to send a video to my family like <laughs> telling them I'm okay, but like they like they know from the look in my eyes that I'm not okay because I'm sweating and I'm, everything's great here. Like that like that and finding a dead body are, like, way up on my irrational fears. Okay. I mean, that isn't necessarily irrational. I feel like your fear of birds is more irrational than that. I'll give you that. Oh, yeah, don't get me started. 
You're right. I, I guess I guess things that are likely to not happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. A thousand percent. You know, like I'm like I'm friends with honest people. I I, I doubt I'd end up in a foreign country in a basement, but <laughs> you know, you, you, you never <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> <sighs> All right, okay. Lil. What's your next story? This one is called It's Behind the Door. Ooh, no. <laughs> okay. The house I grew up in was built in the early 1900s and even burned down at one point in time. The house was just as bad as the well, it was just as bad as the one I mainly talk about. So bad that my grandfather had to bless it numerous times. It never really died down though. I shared a room with my older sister. She was on one side, and the asshole put me on the other, right next to the closet, which I have a huge fear of. Ooh, shit, sorry. My <laughs> screen okay. went dark. Um, which I have a huge fear of. And um, the end of my bed was facing the door. Now there were tons of spirits in this house. Some made themselves known. Others just wandered on through. There was a particular one that, that liked making himself very well known, and... That was the man behind the door in our bedroom. I dreaded going to sleep at night because once those lights were off, he was there. Sometimes the light of the moon would shine just enough light into our room that you could make him out perfectly. I had to have been about 10 at the time. I was in bed reading a book. My sister was in her bed reading a magazine. We decided it was time for lights off before our dad came upstairs and saw that we were still awake. Now, neither of us liked turning off the light, so we made a bit of a habit to try to throw things at the light switch to see if we could get it to turn off. Eventually, though, we'd run out of things, and one of us would have to get up and turn the stupid thing off, and it was always me. I quickly got up, stretched as far as I could from my bed to the light, and flipped the switch. I was back in my bed in a matter of seconds. We always slept with the blankets over our eyes. There was zero desire to see what lurked in the dark. But this time i decided to sit up and watch behind the door time passed and i didn't see anything and started dozing off that's when he slowly started to appear Mm -hmm. i could see the silhouette and make out a few features especially his head and arms i tried getting my sister's attention but she was out cold now imagine being 10 years old and having this figure slowly turn his head at you put his finger up to his mouth in a shushing motion and suddenly bolt across the room towards my sister before i could let out a sound she sat straight up and yelled at me for hitting her and waking her up. Even the dead ones were getting the youngest in trouble. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Ah! I know. Oh, my God. That's so traumatizing. This, the bolting to the other side of the room really yes. got me. Yes. Yes. I don't know what's scarier. The fact that it's bolting at them or, like, imagine if it was, like, crab walking. Like, me. Oh, like crab walk, like yeah, yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you. Hard pass. Yes. Hard pass. Oh, creepy story. All right. So you were talking about the spirit behind the door. I'm going to be talking about the girl on the stairs. Okay. Ooh, we got the whole little house going. Right. And we'll see if some bathroom shenanigans start happening because oh, it seems to happen know, in every episode. <laughs> okay. Girl on the stairs. All right. So when I was eight, me, mom, and my sister all lived in a quiet, quiet place in the country. We were renting a house from an older lady. I'll try to explain the house. So the front door is a double glass door. When you walk in the front of the door, in front of you is the stairs leading to the landlord's part of the house. On the right of the stairs is the hallway, and on the right side of the hallway, there's another double wooden door leading to the lounge room. Starting on the front door again, on the left side of the stairs is a door leading to mine slash sister's room. You walk through our you walk through our room to get to the kitchen. We were poor. Our bedroom is actually the dining room. 
Okay. So we, when we moved into this house, it always felt, I don't know the word, it just felt really off and eerie. The six years we were there, I've never felt comfortable. The stairs, oh my God, the stairs scared me so much. Every time I was done doing something in the kitchen, I would prepare to run as fast as I could up the stairs. Do you ever remember doing that as a kid? Like, try, like yes. pretending there's monsters behind you and like running up the stairs as fast as you can on your hands and feet? On your hands and feet. Too, exactly. I like feel like at 24 years old, I'll still do that, but okay. <laughs> I always felt like someone was on the top looking down at me. Okay. So one day I have the day off of school and I'm sitting on the couch watching TV. You can see the stairs through the door to the lounge room on the right of the couch. And I see something white in the corner of my eye. So I look over at the stairs and I see a girl with black hair and white dress. It was kind of like a wedding dress, but this girl was young. So maybe nine or 10 years old, um, which was around my age at the time. I remember her face of pure shock, like she was surprised I could see her. It felt like I was looking at her for so long, but I know it was only a second or two before I let out a blood-curdling scream and ran to my mother. (laughs) Slept to 11 years later, and me and my brother and sisters are talking and having a bit of a laugh at how poor we were and how we barely survived childhood. And my sister asked why I always ran past the stairs, so I tell her the story. Her face widens, and she tells me how one day she heard knocking on the door at the top of the stairs, but the landlord wasn't home. She was in the hospital. Another story from the house, but no one believes me except my mother because she saw it happen too. One day I was sitting in the lounge room again on the couch eating dry cocoa pops out of the box and I'm getting kind of full so I wrap up the bag and put the bag back in the cardboard box. As I put the box down, a hand pushes out (laughs) through the sides. It wasn't how it was supposed to be though. It looked like this hand was pushing through cling wrap or some sort of thin plastic. When I was 15, I moved house with my mom, and every time I went to the toilet, I would almost shake with fear at the thought of opening the toilet door. Almost every time my fight-or-flight senses kicked in, I guess, and I would really aggressively swing the door open and go to my mother, trying not to give away that I almost just had a panic attack in the toilet. Thanks for reading. (laughs) See, I swear to God. Right? I swear to God, I didn't even read this story through. And, of course, there was a bathroom incident in this. <laughs> always has to well, go back to the bathroom. There's always a ghost in the bathroom. Yeah, but it's, I find it interesting that she was able to see this ghost girl. And the girl, ghost girl seemed to be surprised that she saw her, too, as if yeah, right? this is the first time that someone's acknowledged her, as if that's just, that's just something that she wanted. So it'd be yeah. interesting to see what the history of that house is and if the landlord has any experiences. Ooh, I I'm telling you, we should like hunt them, hunt these people down, and be like, tell us everything you know, Ooh, with like a flashlight and stuff. Like, yeah, like what James is telling us. Have- that would be such a smart idea. We're on to something here. All right, you guys heard story. it here first. My next story is called "Shadow Figures in the Corners of My Eyes." So I skimmed this one, and I so I'm not sure how scary it's going to be, but I know that it's about shadow figures, which are a big hit on this. So. Always scary. Here we go. I have personally had quite a few paranormal experiences in my life. I think that I am prone to having these things happen more than others. My great-grandma, which I have only heard stories of due to the fact that she passed away before I was born, would often sit in a room by herself and speak to whatever entity that may have been in there. She claimed that she could speak to the dead. Now, while I do not claim that I can speak to the dead or anything along those lines, I think I have some of whatever, I think some of whatever my great-grandma had was passed down to me. I only ever actually saw a ghost or spirit twice in my life. One was when I was probably around five years old on Christmas Eve, and the other was when I was in college deer hunting. The hunting one was 
actually used in a recent episode of These Woods Are Haunted on Travel Channel. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I've never even heard of that show. Have you? It sounds familiar, but I don't, I don't, I've never watched an episode myself. I stick okay. to my ghost adventures, ghost hunters, ghost nation, ghost, ghost brothers. Nation. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is probably the commercials because those are like almost all on Travel Channel. It's probably in the commercials. Yeah. Watch these ones are haunted. So uh, something is ha- is happening too, though, um, and I don't think it's anything good. I have begun seeing something in my peripheries of my vision. They look like some sort of shadow person. At first, I just kind of rationalized it away by telling myself that I'm just seeing differences in light, which kicks off the which kicks off the pareidolia. I don't know how to pronounce that word, thus writing it off in my mind. This technique worked, at least for a little while. Things started to change again, however, and the change, once again, was not good. The images in the corners of my vision started to occur much more frequently. I tried to ignore them. I tried to use my technique and rationalize what I was seeing, but what I was about to find out, you can only lie to yourself to a certain point. The spirits or being or entities whatever these things are now take up more of my vision now they don't they also don't go away super fast like they used to the most common thing that i experience now is of a head who or what's head i don't know peeking around corners for example while watching tv in our living room i am often able to see a head flick out from around from behind uh, uh the wall in our kitchen before it would have been gone right away just like a flash like one of those moments that you don't know if something happened or not now they hang out there right in the corner of my eyes waiting lurking watching i recently found out that if i am able to keep my eyes on the tv screen and i don't make it look like i can see whatever is peeking around the corner or that it will stay there until i do dart my eyes over to try to catch a straight on look at it i haven't been able to look at it straight on though at least not yet There's not many things that happen in our place other than walking sounds, but this could be from our neighbors walking around there upstairs. I have to say, though, they sound like they're in our apartment. Has anyone had any experiences like this? If so, can you please share them with me in the comments section, especially if you have some kind of way to make it stop? I'm at the point where I'm not getting much sleep at all. There are other factors that make it hard for me to sleep, though, but that's for a different post that I will write about as soon as that, as soon that I will write about soon, as that is a whole story unto itself. Hope to hear from you guys. I really need the help. Wow. So, I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Mm -hmm. I, you know, the first thing I always think when people have experiences with shadow people and they see, they say the thing in the corner of their eye and they see something. I mean, a lot of times that does have to do with the brain and the eyes playing tricks on you and like, the reason why you can't see it straight on is because it's like a little like it's like one of those little things that you see like I don't oh, know the little eye the squiggly thing or whatever yeah yeah and, and and when you look at it it moves yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so see, I mean, that's that's what I thought right that's definitely plausible and like I want like yeah yeah but the thing is that those things also don't stay still they kind of like if I'm like looking here if I'm like looking straight ahead right like where I'm looking on the clock is twelve o'clock and there's something at like eight o'clock, you know, like floating around in my vision, it, it's moving, you know, yeah. it doesn't just sit there. That's and true. then when I dart my vision over to that eight o'clock, it's in, you know, six o'clock or whatever, like, uh-huh. and the only, but, I'm sorry, like, what if you saying? like, my brother taught me this. If you gently poke on the corner of your eye, a little black dot appears. Wait, what? Wait, on, yeah. the, uh, on both or just one? 
at least like for me, like very gently, like just push in the corner of your eye, the outer corner of your eye, and a little dot appears. Don't try this at home, kids. I don't, know if I'm doing, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Do I have to actually press on the eyeball or can like... No, you can push on the socket and a little black dot should appear. Yeah, I see it. It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's like on the right side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, so like it's possible to like see like things like that, but I don't know. There was just something kind of spooky about the fact that he tried, you know, writing it off and saying, oh no, it's just my eyes playing tricks on me or whatever. And then they got worse. Yeah. So I would go to a vision doctor, and if they don't see anything wrong with my eyes, then it's probably paranormal. Yeah, and then and like, that's also why, like, you know, I mean, I think it is paranormal, but, uh, and also he said, that's, you know, I that's, hear... That, 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 that's my sage advice. Yeah, and uh, he said, oh, I hear, I hear footsteps, but it could be the neighbors or whatever. So he does try to explain yeah. this off and tries as best he can yeah. to, you know, make sure this isn't paranormal, but... A lot of things are leading yeah. to that. So hopefully this person has gotten a resolution or gets one soon. Hope they're not in danger. Yeah, especially during this quarantine. Yeah. Okay. So my next story is titled, My Psychic Coworker. This, Ooh. Yeah. The summer after I barely graduated high school, I reluctantly took a job with a friend of my aunt's. We were commissioned to build this practice tank for a rowing team at this really fancy private high school. It wasn't what you'd call the summer experience that would last a lifetime. I had to wake up at 5.30 every morning, drive with my boss for two hours to the school, listen to my boss, a class A anal blowhard, tell me how wrong I was doing everything. <laughs> granted, granted, I was a lazy fucking bum back then, but he was also a douche. <laughs> and by the time I got home, I was too tired to do anything but get drunk on my porch for the rest of the day. I can't say it was all bad. <laughs> I love this guy already. A lot of other guys working construction on other parts of the school were really nice, and it beat sitting in a class all day for sure. But nothing I've mentioned so far has stuck with me the way one day did. There was another guy that worked with us, a college kid that also knew the boss. I didn't like him, but I didn't despise being around him. He just had this condescending attitude. One day, my boss couldn't drive me home, I didn't have my own car, so I asked the college kid who lived near me to do it, to which he accepted. Initially, the drive was insignificant, save for the fact that I remember being pissed that he insisted on listening to some crappy audiobook than the radio, but then, about, <laughs> or listening to just ghouly things, maybe? Yeah. Um, but then, about ten minutes out, a car in front of us suddenly swerved off the road in a jerky fashion that seemed rather sudden. I was a little concerned, but there wasn't an accident, so I didn't think much of it. Then we got onto the highway, and a slow-moving car in front of us also pulled over to the side of the road, this time a little more smoothly. Again, nothing to really note. Then it happened again. And again. And again. Every car in front of us swerved off the road as soon as we got close to it. Eventually, there weren't any cars on the road. I said nothing at the time because I had really no idea what to make of it. It happened way more times than would be acceptable to be called a coincidence, but what the hell was I going to say? What would my coworker do? The last one was the ugliest. The car started to veer off the road, and then it thrashed back on the road, and then it too, as though being dragged, made way for our unstoppable vehicle. I can't decide if I was thinking the guy was practicing some sort of mind control or he was exercising a telekinetic ability, but I'm a little more inclined to say the latter because just, just because I remember another instance where I was arguing with him and eventually I got my way, implying he couldn't have bended my will to his, but when I explained this to my brother, his response chilled me more than anything. 
How would you know if he was controlling your mind? <laughs> mind blown. Perhaps, however, he wasn't able to control my mind, question mark. I'm known for being quite strong-willed and stubborn. It did seem like he was manipulating the cars. He didn't have complete control over the car, over every car. Whatever it was, it was profoundly intriguing and disturbing. And then he goes, edit. I can't fucking believe I forgot to add this when I initially posted this. When I first became aware of the of the kid of what the kid was doing, I all of a sudden got really tired. Like someone had drugged me. It was a serious struggle to stay awake the rest of the ride home. I made a point to partly for fear of not waking up if I let him put me under, and partly <laughs> just out of pride of resisting that fucker's domination. That was also terrifying, and it points to him being more of an imperfect mind controller than a telekinetic. Ooh, so mind controller telekinesis. This, this honestly, this story took a different turn than what I thought it would be. I, yeah, when I think uh, psychic, I didn't think of mind control and telekinesis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's weird that like every car moving past just would go veer off the side of the road so that they can go through. It's like that part of Superbad when the police are in no rush at all, but every intersection they turn their siren on because yeah. they don't want to wait at the light. <laughs> oh, that's such a classic Using movie. Using your powers for your own good instead yeah. of the good of the humanity. Oh, that, but yeah, that's a, that's a really Ooh. interesting story. Really interesting. Okay. Yeah, wow. That's a good one, too. Especially, it, it's interesting that the person writing it started feeling drowsy, too. I would want to... Maybe it was the audiobook, though. That's true. Like, you know, or, like, you know. Yeah. That's, that, that's... I had this one girl growing up who I was friends with, and her dad would always listen to NPR when we would have playdates or, like, sleepovers or whatever, and I'm like, why are you listening to NPR with two children in the car? Why would you do that? Um, I would think you'd fall asleep at the wheel <laughs> listening to that. Are you kidding me? This guy's a psychopath. <laughs> I remember being so upset and I did because like I would listen to like Radio Disney and you know <laughs> like what what are some of the big like Z100 right like yeah. that was like my shit but we were like eight years old like listening to Radio Disney on the way to her house and then like they'd be they'd be like oh we're going out to dinner and we'd all you know get in the car and it would be NPR on our way to the diner like tragic <laughs> longest car yeah. rides ever oh gosh for sure but, you know, she was pretty nice. I hope she's not listening to this. She was sweet. That's why I kept <laughs> hanging out with her. I'm sorry. Your dad's a buzzkill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one is called A Dream Come to Life. One day, about six years ago, me and my dad went to Turkey. From, from the first night we were there, I could almost feel that something bad would happen. On the transfer from the airport to the hotel, I felt uneasy, but I still felt asleep because uh, it was about two in the morning. While I was asleep, I had a, I had a dream. I was walking by the pool in the dark and saw what looked like a person on the other side of the pool just standing there. Then the bus must have gone over a bump or something because I woke up very abruptly. The next day, I felt like exploring the resort. I was walking by one of the pools and realized I was stood exactly where the person was in my dream. I got the chills, which got, which was weird, weird as it was about 30 degrees Celsius. Anyways, I went on with exploring. A few days later, I had a dream uh, that I was stood exactly where I was stood before I woke up. But something was different. The person wasn't there. No one was there. I started walking aimlessly, and then I heard scratching and turned around, and there was a dark man stood by a tree. He looked about eight feet tall. Then he turned and waved. 
Again, I woke up abruptly in my bed at home in England, but it still felt normal. Then I walked down my stairs and looked outside my window, and in front, the man was stood there across the road waving at me. Then I woke up again in my hotel room. Ah! In the bath. My dad was my dad was very worried about something in the bath what in the bath damn bathroom. i don't know there's like no punctuation in this one so i don't know if it's like she like like was like snoozing in the bathtub or if she wandered into the bathtub i have no idea it just always ends up in the bath yeah it always ends everything happens in the bathroom uh he had the same dream oh he had the same dream but for him the man grabbed him and then my dad woke up neither of us have talked about it since it's the first time and only time I've ever seen my dad that scared and shaken to the bone. He didn't sleep for the remaining two days at the hotel. He only slept on the plane back. He hasn't mentioned it since. Wow. What are the odds of them both having the same dream? What the hell? The same dream that picked up exactly where her first dream left off, and that dream came true. That's so weird. When she was at the hotel pool. You, that's where that's when you realize you need to really listen to your intuition and your senses and go with your gut at all times. Yeah, maybe don't wave at strangers or look out your window in the middle of the night. For a second, I thought that she was, like, back home, mm-hmm. and that actually literally ha- happened, that she woke up, and there was a stranger waving at her window. Like, I thought that was real for a second and not a dream yeah. a dream, and I was panicked. <laughs> I was panicked for a second. I was like, what kind of story did I pick? That's terrifying. <laughs> I'm not sleeping tonight. <laughs> okay. I'm probably not. I'm all spooked now. That was a really creepy. We have some really good ones today. Good for us. Pat on the back. Look at us. Pat on the back. It's like we're doing our job. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My next story is titled, My sisters and I just had a terrifying nightmare of our childhood home on the same night. I have two sisters, an older sister by two years, and an identical twin sister. On April 13th, we all had nightmares that took place in the house that we spent most of our childhood in. We have not lived in that house for 15 years and all live very far away from each other now. There was also nothing that we watched or said lately that would have triggered a memory of our time living in that house. Before I explain our nightmares or why this is still freaking us all out, the large house was built in the 80s and we moved into it mid-90s. Despite the house being from the 80s, a lot of strange things happened in the house. The upstairs had two bedrooms, a room that my twin sister and I shared, and then a long back hallway with a very long mirror connecting the second bedroom where my oldest sister slept. My parents and my grandmother both had their bedrooms on the ground floor. A lot of the weird things occurred upstairs. I will share one event that happened to all of us in the house. Me and my twins shared a bedroom that had a TV. It was a reasonably big room. We would all sit on the two beds and watch TV together. My mom was even there sitting with all of us while us, while us sisters zoned out to TV. In the corner of the room away from us was a metal baby carriage that we would play with. This was not at all old. That baby carriage started to jerk violently back and forth and clanged loudly. The car- That's terrifying. Right? The carriage was about to fall over completely forward and then jerked right back to its other side. Then it just snapped back into place. Nothing was near or touching it. We were all still for a moment staring at it, then screamed and ran out of that bathroom, uh, bedroom <laughs> as fast as we could. Um, other strange events happened to each of us, but the carriage accident was one of the events that my mom and sisters all experienced together. Back to the present. We didn't tell each other about our nightmares until yesterday. My twin sister was the first to bring it up about her experience in our sibling group chat since it was such a random nightmare. My twin sister explained that she felt like she was seizing when she woke up from her nightmare. In her dream, she was in our shared bedroom and was hearing weird things across the hallway in my oldest sister's 
older, oldest sister's room. She started to run for the stairs, and as she got closer, it kept getting more intense and scarier. She started to scream for me while she was running. My oldest sister then replied that it was super weird and was getting goosebumps because she also had a dream the same night, too. She explained her dream was that she was in the hallway with the mirror that connected our two bedrooms and saw something staring back at her in the reflection. She ran into her old bedroom, and my twin and I were already there hiding beneath our blankets in her bed. Um, my oldest sister shut the door from the hallway and the handle started to shake. She had to pull the door to keep it closed because something was pulling it from the other side. She was saying that me and my twin were screaming. She woke up sweating and needed the lights turned on immediately. In my dream, I was running terrified downstairs from upstairs bedroom because of the distressing feeling coming from the upstairs. I ran to my parents' bedroom that is on the ground floor. I was moving towards my parents' bed with my blanket around me and trailing on the floor. I stopped being able to move forward since the blanket was being tugged from behind me. I was then dragged away with the blanket and could only make a silent scream. I woke up from the dream gasping. When I eventually fell back to sleep, I dreamt I was back in the house sharing the bed with my twin sister in my oldest sister's room. My twin was staring at me while we faced each other lying in bed and whispered, Someone has their arm around you. I could feel a hand on my waist underneath me during my dream. I jolted awake then. We all have no idea what it means, or maybe it's just a purely creepy coincidence. Has anyone else shared nightmares? That is spooky kooky That spirit wants all those sisters back in that house. It's like yeah. trying to lure them in or something. Yeah, there's something there. There That's evil. Yeah. That's evil right there. That's scary. I would never go back to sleep again. Right? Oh my! And then what are the odds that all of them had? A, they all had, they were like all variations of a nightmare. Like, but they all yeah. kind of were focused around this one like dark force. Yeah, and they were all on the same night. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's crazy. That's spooky, kooky, ooky. Ooh, word, word of the word of the quarantine spooky story special. Spooky, kooky, ooky. Spooky, kooky, ooky. And I wish I could take credit for it, but it came from a TikTok. Yeah. Damn it, TikTok. It is spooky kooky ooky out there. <laughs> All right. My last story is called A Complete Poltergeist Experience. Okay. And this one is a little long, so bear with me. About seven years ago, I saw three apparitions appear and evaporate before my eyes. I was sitting in my car around 2 to 3 a.m. waiting for my friend to come out of their house. Something caught my attention in my peripheral crossing the street in front of my car. It was instantly odd because it was so late and a quiet residential street. There was no one around due to the time. I didn't have my headlights on, just some ambient lights for my car stereo. I saw a man walk in front of my car made up of what I can only describe as white smoke. It was almost like a body made of fog with an image projection on with an image project with oh my god, I can't talk. <laughs> with an image projected onto it. He glided smoothly across the street, but I could make out the details of the boots. I could not see his face. It was hard to make out any details of him. He was so close to me. Though he of him, though he was so close to me. He never looked in my direction, just looked straight ahead as i was watching him completely confused as to what i was seeing i saw two more apparitions also crossing the street they were at least two to three houses away the male figure was directly in front of my car i would say he was only two to two to four feet away from me your mind really can't make sense of what you are seeing you don't really feel fear it was more of a complete bafflement 
As he got to the middle of the street, he literally started to disappear in front of my eyes. In from his head down, the like steam evaporating. He was merely a torso with legs by the time he reached the middle of the street. I was completely frozen and confused. I have had strange experiences, heard plenty of creepy noises, strange presences felt over the years, but I had never seen an apparition of any kind before. As I was watching him slowly evaporate, I, he, he walked directly into a parked truck on the opposite side of the street and disappeared completely. At that moment, when my mind was completely upside down with trying to make sense of what I had just seen, the music in my car went to completely silent. The whole stereo shut off. That is when I actually got scared. It immediately got my attention off of what I just saw. I was frantically hitting the power button off and on, still no sound. I had been listening to a CD and at the time and can tell you exactly what song was playing when it all happened. Valley of the Saroos by Atlas Sound. I ejected the CD, put it back in, changed the tracks, still no sound. As I was hitting every button on my stereo, I finally went for the volume knob. It had been turned completely to the left, muting the stereo. As I turned the knob, the volume quietly returned. It was an analog control, so it had to be physically turned all the way to the left. That was when I went from confused to terrified. Whatever I had experienced, witnessed with my own two eyes, had just become a full-on poltergeist and turned off my stereo. Was it trying to distract me from something I wasn't meant to see? Was it trying to cement the experience so I couldn't try to explain it away later? Our minds desperately try to make sense of things that don't fit into reality. With everything I saw and experienced that night, there is no rational explanation for any of it. That experience still completely haunts me, but I have zero doubt in my mind that apparitions, whatever they are, are real and also have an intelligence and an intent. There is no way you can truly convey an experience like that to another person. You can only truly believe in the supernatural when it presents itself directly to you. Over the years, I have analyzed every detail of what I experienced. Did I see ghosts? Did I witness a strange glitch in time? A portal? I even analyzed what song I was listening to at the time. It was actually a cover of by Atlas Sound of a Joe Meek sound of a Joe Meek song. Meek was a pioneer in experimental music in the 1960s and had and I had been a fan of his music for quite a while at that point. It wasn't until this experience that I decided to read more about Joe Meek and his life. It turns out in 1967 he murdered his landlady and then shot himself with a shotgun. I had no clue about any of the tragedy or anything about Joe Meek's personal life, with the exception of his music and his influence on the on experimental production. When I read about the murder-suicide, I could not help but feel that the apparitions were connected to the music I was playing and to those deaths. Though the tragedy took place in England and my experience was in Los Angeles, I would love to hear any of your thoughts about this or any similar experiences. Do you do yourself a favor and put on the cover by Atlas Sound of Valley of the Saroos. The song by itself is extremely haunting. So I'm going to listen to it later. Yeah, now I need to listen to it too. You need to text me what the name of it is, just to remind yeah. me. Yeah, here, um, I'll text you right now. It's called The Valley of Saroos, S-A-R-O-O-S. Okay. The Valley of Saroos. Yeah, that is a weird... And I just thought that the way this person wrote it at the end was beautifully said of, you know people don't really understand these paranormal phenomena until it happens yeah. to them. And that's why, you know, you have skeptics not believing what other people say, and, you know, you have to respect people's beliefs and what they don't believe and believe, but, I mean, a lot of times these skeptics turn into believers because they have finally had concrete evidence of their own. 
that maybe they didn't get something that they could show others, but the experience is enough to rattle them emotionally and, Mm -hmm. you know, prove to them that, you know, these things exist. There is more than just us out there. And I think it's just a very interesting concept. And the poltergeist itself, like, poltergeists are so weird in my opinion. Yeah. Because it's not necessarily like you're seeing a spirit. It's just things are moving around. And it just seems more like a message. yeah. So, um, and then, you know, connecting the music to, you know, the poltergeist, like what, what was the message? What was trying to be conveyed? Because this was happening during that song. So I have to listen to the song to, yeah. What, why, why that song? Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. Interesting. Right. I don't know. It's spooky. Ooky. I'm and Something about that also was, you know, a story like that, that is so detailed. It takes so much, you know, not so much time to read. Like it didn't take forever, but and these things happen in like a split second, you yeah. know, like you see the figure crossing, the music stops. That's like two seconds, mm-hmm. but it feels when you're living it, it feels like an eternity. Yeah. definitely. And when you're, you're imagining so it, it feels like an eternity, but it's really not all that long usually. Yeah. So that's another thing I wanted to throw in there. That's an awesome point. Yeah. You don't, because I mean, there's just so many emotions going through your head and so many things you're thinking, trying to rationalize yeah. it. And yeah, it's a really good point. Really good point. Okay. Yeah. So my last story is titled, The Little People of the Anishinaabe. Never heard of this before. So since I was, yeah, it's different. So since I was a little girl, I was always fascinated with stories of the little people. Said to be as tall as the height of an average person's foot to knee, most native tribes have a variation of the little people in their oral histories. The little people are mischievous, first of all. They enjoy lurking unseen and like to play tricks on people. They are guardians of the woods. Some Anishinaabe people who camp in the woods will leave out shiny things, sweets, and little tools as an offering. Little people, yeah, but I don't know. There's something a little off about this, though. (laughs) Little people adore human children and have said to find missing and have said to find missing children in the woods. Okay, since they are fascinated, they will insist that you play with them before seeing you out of the woods safely. My favorite story was told to me by my mother. An alarmed parent showed up one morning on my grandparents' small farm. His daughter, a friend of my mother's, had gone missing. The whole community met at the last place she was seen and began combing the area. No one could even find a trace of this little girl. As dusk approached, fear began spreading. This was on a reserve in the 1950s. Streetlights would not come for some time yet. And suddenly, one volunteer heard little feet and and branches snapping coming from the woods. Out came the little girl, skipping happily. Her parents were found and came to her. She swore she had only been gone for about 15 minutes. She was with the little ones in the woods and played with them for a little while. They then told her it was time to go home and they brought her to the edge of the woods. It appears that their time goes much slower than ours. I had the opportunity to meet with my mother's friend and she told me the story as well. She was not afraid of them and they had a lot of fun. Over the years, I have found that different cultures have their own legends of the little people. I would be interested to hear from others about their place in your culture. I That's amazing to me because I have never heard of that myself. I don't know about you. But. I've never heard of that either. And I like it. sweet. Yeah. Like, they're just so, they're innocent. They just want to play. They just want to be positive and fun. You know. Obviously, their actions scare people because they're taking them away from, you know, parents that are looking for their kids. And clearly, their concept of time is completely different. So, you think it's harmless, but it 
is scaring other people. Um, hmm. But yeah, what do, what do you think about that story? I think it's sweet. I think it's, um, um well, um, first of all, I'm glad that they found her. Yeah. Uh, second, that would be a whole different type of scary if they didn't. But uh, no, I think that, uh, I don't know. I, I, we've never really heard anything like this before. Yeah. You know, about, like, we, we've heard, we heard the one story a couple weeks ago about gnomes. Yes. That's kind of similar. Small, smaller people, right? Um, right. Um, but not with the same kind of uh, history and backstory of being the ones who kind of find missing kids and keep them occupied and all that stuff. Yeah, so. and bring them I think back. It's yeah. So in yeah. some of the comments, there was about 100 comments on this one because it really is an interesting topic. So some per- some person wrote, in Hong Kong, we have stories of little people slash humanoid with animal head in the mountain, sometimes described as fox children that sound like birds. One famous encounter was near a, ta- a Taoist temple that uh, what thought he would be, uh, what he thought would be, or what he thought to be, oh my God, I can't even talk, when a man met a group of little people held by an old monk. Chinese believe temple can be occupied by both God or an evil spirit. So worshiping unknown temple can give power to these creatures. So this one seems a little more on the negative side. Um, And then one says, in New Zealand, the Maori have legends of the little people known as, oh God, I'm going to butcher the shit out of this, Patupairahi. They typically live in or on mountains or deep in the forest and like to hide in the mist and fog. They pretty much keep themselves um, to, and keep to themselves, and they're usually seen as a neutral, not scary um, being. They are also legends of sea fairies who live along the coast, but they're less benevolent. Um, and then, like, you know, there's just, like, a bunch of different ones, but those are, like, the two that popped out as, like, the top comments. Okay. So uh, I just, you know, I definitely want to read more of this thread in the, in the future, but the concept of this is really interesting. Um, It'd be interesting yeah. to see how far back this, like these little people go, you know, and yeah. um, like more, more history. Hear more about it. Learn more about it. Definitely, definitely. Okay, um, so that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode thirty-three. Um, Lily, do you have anything at, to add before we go to the socials? Uh, nope. Okay, so let's get right to the <laughs> socials. <laughs> That was easy. Um, follow our Instagram at Just Believe Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter JGT Podcast. Facebook like page Just Believe Things Podcast. Facebook private page Just Believe Things Podcast group. Yes. And uh, donate to our Patreon Just Believe Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share in our show, uh, whether you'd like to co-host on the show or, you know, just write in your story for us to read to our listeners, um, email us at justgoolythingspodcast.gmail.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, give us an awesome review, uh, and if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, no big deal, Spotify, Google Play, wherever, screenshot our episodes, post them on all your social media, send them to all your friends. Uh, It's just something interesting to listen to during these crazy times of quarantine, and as you guys can tell already, we release new episodes every day, so. Wahoo! And I think we're pretty fucking awesome, so. I think we're pretty great. Yeah. All right, Boo Things. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye.